Section 7 of The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melanie Young. The Rise and Fall of Prohibition by Charles Hanson Town. Section 7 The Infamous Volstead Act. Part 1. Chapter 6 The Infamous Volstead Act. There are seven articles in the original Constitution of the United States of America. There are nineteen amendments to date. The Fifteenth Amendment has never been taken seriously in certain of the Southern states, and the Eighteenth Amendment has caused more dissension than any law ever placed upon our statutes. The Volstead Act which is but an enforcing act of the amendment, is highly unpopular. After three years of trying to coerce the people into obeying a mandate in which millions of them do not believe, are we to continue to do so, or are we, sensibly, to wipe it out? The money consumed by the government in attempting to have this vicious law obeyed and respected should cause every American to blush. We are gradually, nay, swiftly, getting to a point where practically every citizen will be watched and guarded by another. One's daily habits will be observed, perhaps by one's next-door neighbor or the janitor in one's basement. There is no telling who is a detective nowadays, and there is no telling who is a bootlegger. Maybe one is the other. How far away we have wandered from those early principles of the signers of the Declaration of Independence and the makers of the Constitution. O oh, liberty, liberty, how many crimes are committed in thy name, cried Madame Roland. And Bertrand Barrere exclaimed, The tree of liberty only grows when watered by the blood of tyrants. The Volstead Act is the most tyrannous document a people have ever had thrust upon them. I wonder how many Americans have read it, studied it, pondered over it. I wish we might read the thoughts of all the men who cast their votes for this infamous piece of legislation. I wish we might search their consciences, know of their secret emotions when they assented to its restricting sections. It would be folly to reproduce the entire document here with its tangle of legal verbiage, its intricate twists and turns, its complicated sentences which, to the layman, means so little, but to the lawmakers means so much. Through a thick underbrush of paragraphs, the legal mind wanders at will, delightfully and miraculously at home, and finally imagines that it emerges into the sunlight of knowledge and wisdom. Plain folk, like you and me, find it difficult to follow the gypsy pattern and patter. Yet somehow we get the sense of this appalling mass of words, words that seem to have handcuffs attached to them, words that hint of prison cells and donjon keeps, words that mystify and frighten us. We feel so guilty as we traverse them, and remembering the violations of this sacrosanct paper, which we have witnessed since its solemn passage, we marvel at the energy expended to make us all good and holy. Citizens, I was going to say, but I think, with the Englishman, subjects would be nearer the truth. 
for a high and mighty absolute monarchy never weighed its people down with heavier bonds. No Kaiser-ridden land ever knew more complete and devastating tyranny. The burdens heaped upon the shoulders of the already weary taxpayers so that the dignity of this act may be upheld. Ah, few of us ever consider these. We have grown so used to added packs that one more dollar seems to make little difference. But it was the last straw that broke the camel's back, and who knows how much longer we can stand these accumulating and distressing burdens. Section 7 of Title Two reads as follows. No one but a physician holding a permit to prescribe liquor shall issue any prescription for liquor. And no physician shall prescribe liquor unless after careful physical examination of the person for whose use such prescription is sought, or if such examination is found impracticable, then upon the best information obtainable. He in good faith believes that the use of such liquor as a medicine by such person is necessary and will afford relief to him from some known ailment. Not more than a pint of spirituous liquor to be taken internally shall be prescribed for use by the same person within any period of ten days, and no prescription shall be filled more than once. Any pharmacist filling a prescription shall, at the time, endorse upon it over his own signature the word cancelled, together with the date when the liquor was delivered, and then make the same a part of the record that he is required to keep as herein provided. Every physician who issues a prescription for liquor shall keep a record, alphabetically arranged in a book prescribed by the commissioner, which shall show the date of issue, amount prescribed, to whom issued, the purpose or ailment for which it is to be used, and directions for use, stating the amount and frequency of the dose. This would be ludicrous were it not so serious, but let us pass on to section 12. All persons manufacturing liquor for sale under the provisions of this title shall securely and permanently attach to every container thereof, as the same is manufactured, a label stating name of manufacturer, kind and quantity of liquor contained therein, and the date of its manufacture, together with the number of the permit authorizing the manufacturer thereof, and all persons possessing such liquor in wholesale quantities shall securely keep and maintain such label thereon. And all persons selling at wholesale shall attach to every package of liquor, when sold, a label setting forth the kind and quantity of liquor contained therein, by whom manufactured, the date of sale, and the person to whom sold, which label shall likewise be kept and maintained thereon until the liquor is used for the purpose for which such sale was authorized. And section 13 specifies again about records. I wonder if these are carefully kept, as the law provides. It shall be the duty of every carrier to make a record at the place of shipment of the receipt of any liquor transported. And he shall deliver liquor only to persons who present to the carrier a verified copy of a permit to purchase, which shall be made a part of the carrier's permanent record at the office from which delivery is made. The agent of the common carrier is hereby authorized to administer the oath to the consignee in verification of the copy of the permit presented, who, if not personally known to the agent, shall be identified before the delivery of the liquor to him. The name and address of the person identifying the consignee shall be included on the record. 
Section 14. It shall be unlawful for a person to use or induce any carrier or any agent or employee thereof to carry or ship any package or receptacle containing liquor without notifying the carrier of the true nature and character of the shipment. No carrier shall transport nor shall any person receive liquor from a carrier unless there appears on the outside of the package containing such liquor the following information. Name and address of the consigner or seller. Name and address of the consignee. Kind and quality of liquor contained therein. And number of the permit to purchase or ship the same. Together with the name and address of the person using the permit. How simple they make it for us. And of course, free speech on the billboards has been squashed. For section 17 has this to say. It shall be unlawful to advertise anywhere or by any means or method, liquor, or the manufacture, sale, keeping for sale, or furnishing of the same, or where, how, from whom, or at what price the same may be obtained. No one shall permit any sign or billboard containing such advertisement to remain upon one's premises. Section 18. It shall be unlawful to advertise, manufacture, sell, or possess for sale, any utensil, contrivance, machine, preparation, compound, tablet, substance, formula, direction, or recipe advertised, designed, or intended for use in the unlawful manufacture of intoxicating liquor. How the very stills themselves must tremble at these ominous words. But I think for its far-reaching effects, Section 20 takes the palm. Any person who shall be injured in person, property, means of support, or otherwise, by any intoxicated person, or by reason of the intoxication of any person, though we thought intoxication was to be wiped out with the passage of the Volstead Act, whether resulting in his death or not, shall have a right of action against any person who shall, by unlawfully selling to or unlawfully assisting in procuring liquor for such intoxicated person, have caused or contributed to such intoxication. And in any such action, such person shall have a right to recover actual and exemplary damages. Yet it is not quite clear how a dead man can bring an action in the courts. In case of the death of either party, the action or right of action given by this section shall survive to or against his or her executor or administrator, and the amount so recovered by either wife or child shall be his or her sole and separate property. Such action may be brought in any court of competent jurisdiction. In any case where parents shall be entitled to such damages, either the father or mother may sue alone, therefore, but recovery by one of such parties shall be a bar to suit brought by the other. So Mr. Volstead anticipates trouble for years to come, as long as it would take to settle an action for damages in our already clogged courts. We make laws, it seems, which we expect to be broken. Deep down in his heart, then, Mr. Volstead feared that people would go on being just people. Drunkenness is rampant in the land, and I suppose drunkenness will always be rampant in the land. Even Mr. Volstead cannot stop it. What a pity! But do not think for a moment I am putting in a plea for drunkenness. I am bitterly opposed to drunkenness. Prohibition has not cured it. We have had it long enough now to see its terrible errors. 
The lions have heard the crack of the whip, but instead of being overcome, overpowered, cowering in corners, we have the spectacle of a determination to pay no attention to the lashings of the law. Half of us willfully disobey this iniquitous legislation and are proud of our disobedience. What is to be done about it? The more teeth that are put into the Volstead Act, the more teeth the lions show. They growl and fight. They will not be mastered. Read Section 23. Any person who shall, with intent to effect a sale of liquor by himself, his employee, servant, or agent, for himself or any person, company, or corporation, keep or carry around on his person or in a vehicle or other conveyance whatever, or leave in a place for another to secure any liquor, or who shall travel to solicit or solicit or take or accept orders for the sale, shipment, or delivery of liquor in violation of this title, is guilty of a nuisance and may be restrained by injunction, temporary and permanent, from doing or continuing to do any of said acts or things. Have our army of bootleggers read this section? But they are worth a whole chapter to themselves, so important a part have they become of our national life. Section 26. When the commissioner, his assistants, inspectors, or any officer of the law shall discover any person in the act of transporting in violation of the law, intoxicating liquors in any wagon, buggy, automobile, water, or aircraft, or other vehicle, it shall be his duty to seize any and all intoxicating liquors found therein, being transported contrary to law. Whenever intoxicating liquors transported or possessed illegally shall be seized by an officer, he shall take possession of the vehicle and team or automobile, boat, air, or watercraft, or any other conveyance, and shall arrest any person in charge thereof. Such officer shall at once proceed against the person arrested under the provisions of this title, in any court having competent jurisdiction. But the said vehicle or conveyance shall be returned to the owner upon execution by him of a good and valid bond, with sufficient sureties and a sum double the value of the property, which said bond shall be approved by said officer and shall be conditioned to return said property to the custody of said officer on the day of trial to abide the judgment of the court. The court upon conviction of the person so arrested shall order the liquor destroyed, and unless good cause to the contrary is shown by the owner, shall order a sale by public auction of the property seized, and the officer making the sale, after deducting the expenses of keeping the property, the fee for the seizure and the cost of the sale, shall pay all liens according to their priorities which are established, by intervention or otherwise, at said hearing or in other proceeding brought for said purpose, as being bona fide and as having been created without the leaner having any notice that the carrying vehicle was being used or was to be used for illegal transportation of liquor, and shall pay the balance of the proceeds into the Treasury of the United States as miscellaneous receipts. All liens against property sold under the provisions of this section shall be transferred from the property to the proceeds of the sale of the property. If, however, no one shall be found claiming the team, vehicle, water, or aircraft, or automobile, the taking of the same, with a description thereof, shall be advertised in some newspaper published in the city or county where taken. Or if there be no newspaper published in said city or county, 
in a newspaper having circulation in the county, once a week for two weeks and by handbills posted in three public places near the place of seizure. And if no claimant shall appear within ten days after the last publication of the advertisement, the property shall be sold, and the proceeds, after deducting the expenses and costs, shall be paid into the Treasury of the United States as miscellaneous receipts. Section 27. In all cases in which intoxicating liquors may be subject to be destroyed under the provisions of this Act, the Court shall have jurisdiction upon the application of the United States Attorney to order them delivered to any department or agency of the United States government for medicinal, mechanical, or scientific uses, or to order the same sold at private sale for such purposes to any person having a permit to purchase liquor. The proceeds to be covered into the Treasury of the United States, to the credit of miscellaneous receipts, and all liquor heretofore seized in any suit or proceeding brought for violation of law may likewise be so disposed of, if not claimed within sixty days from the date this section takes effect. One is happy to realize that the government may, even while the Volstead Act is in force, receive some small emolument and revenue from John Barleycorn. Section 37, or a part of it, reads as follows. A manufacturer of any beverage containing less than one-half of one percentum of alcohol by volume may, on making application and giving such bond as the commissioner shall prescribe, be given a permit to develop in the manufacture thereof, by the usual methods of fermentation and fortification, or otherwise, a liquid such as beer, ale, porter, or wine, containing more than one-half of one percentum of alcohol by volume. But before any such liquid is withdrawn from the factory or otherwise disposed of, the alcoholic contents thereof shall, under such rules and regulations as the commissioner may prescribe, be reduced below such one-half of one percentum of alcohol, provided that such liquid may be removed and transported under bond and under such regulations, as the commissioner may prescribe, from one bonded plant or warehouse to another, for the purpose of having the alcohol extracted therefrom. And such liquids may be developed, under permit, by persons other than the manufacturers of beverages containing less than one-half of one percentum of alcohol by volume, and sold to such manufacturers for conversion into such beverages. The alcohol removed from such liquid, if evaporated and not condensed and saved, shall not be subject to tax. If saved, it shall be subject to the same law as other alcoholic liquors. Credit shall be allowed on the tax due on any alcohol so saved to the amount of any tax paid upon distilled spirits or brandy used in the fortification of the liquor from which the same is saved. End of Section 7 Recording by Melanie Young, 